0: You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey everybody, it's Erin Carey. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. Today I am speaking with Dr. Andrew Hahn. He is a licensed clinical psychologist. He received his AB magna cum laude in social studies psychology from Harvard University and his psychology doctorate in clinical psychology from. Haneman University. He is certified by Helen Palmer to teach the Enneagram and has also been a faculty member in the graduate counseling programs at Leslie University and Northeastern University. His new book is called The One Hour Miracle, a Five-Step Process to Guide Yourself Healing. And we are going to have a great conversation today. And I just want to welcome you, Dr. Han, to the show.
1: Thank you. And I just want to say up front, thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. And I co-authored a book. So I want to honor my co-author who without which, because it's not an easy thing to uh, create something beautiful together. It's sort of like, uh, you know, to really create it together and be the creative force and the receptive force and to bring it through. And without Joni, this book wouldn't have been what it was at all. Um, So I just want to acknowledge that uh, there were two of us and,
0: yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you for saying that. That is, um, that is an important distinction because that is no small feat for sure. So I'm glad you mentioned it. All right. So tell me, I kind of want to know, because um, you're a clinical psychologist, where did this whole interest in psychology get started for you?
1: Well, <clears throat> there's my interest in psychology and there's what I do now that doesn't look a lot like what I ever studied. So <laughs> okay. my interest in psychology, I didn't want, I never wanted to get into people's heads. I mean, I'm more heart-based than head. Okay. So I was more the kind of person that like, if we talked for two hours, um, you might say to me, like, how do you know my best friend from the time I was a little girl? And it's just cause I was always, I really, love people and I was always just really interested in people and what motivates them and what their stories are and getting to know them sort of from the inside out. And if they were willing to meet me there to share myself that way too. So I think that was, um, always for me. And, uh, then there's a lot of other reasons that I think I chose psychology as a field. Um, but I would say if I really stripped everything else away. It's just that I really love people and I want to understand what motivates them so I could make their lives better. And I want to understand everything about it. So it seemed like a good plan.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's similar to why I have this podcast. (laughs) So I I love that. And I, I love your work and this whole idea of life-centered therapy. Can you explain what that is?
1: We start with this idea that it's an interesting idea. What's, let's suppose life is really a living being just like Aaron or Andy is. And uh, it's got a body just like we do. And just like we do, there are we have 3 trillion human cells. So let's say life has a virtually infinite number of cells. And the interesting thing about cells and bodies is, there's a holographic notion That every cell, of course, if you looked at the surface of them, all three trillion, you'd theoretically never find two that were alike. But in the template underneath it, we all have to, on some level, be there. All information of that cell's whole universe, of that body's whole universe, is, is held within each cell. It's why you could take one cell, and if you had enough information, you could clone Dolly the sheep 25 years ago from one cell, basically. That's not quite the case, but close enough. So what would happen if we started with the idea that each of us was this mystical idea that each of us was a cell in a living being in the body of a living being called life and that each of us was in relationship with that living being, each of us was that being and every one of us was that being. So we just are different on the surface but underneath it, we all are one. So I would say When we talk about life-centered therapy, it's about remembering who we are, which is not really the surface, which you could see, but that is underneath, which is everything. And so the idea then is, and I could tell you why I think this happens this way, if you're interested, but that's the, then our conversation goes in one direction. What we're really about is two things. One is to remember who we truly are, which is the template, which is to remember that we, we think we identify with the surface called Aaron or Andy or your cat or a tree or whatever we are. But we're not, that's not really who we are. That, to, to identify with that is a, a kind of limitation. So, why do we identify with something? Really, why we identify with something is a funny idea is because we're afraid to experience something. We're afraid to experience who we really are for one simple reason, which is if we experienced who we really are, which is everything, there's one thing we wouldn't be, which is particular. So we spend an awful lot of energy trying never to experience who we truly are. Um, And I would say it's the core trauma that all of us experience. It's called The existential anxiety of non-existence. So in order to not be who we are, we would say, no, I'm not that because I would cease to exist. So I'm going to identify with Aaron or Andy or whatever. And that's a problem because then you're not who you truly are. And you can't say yes to everything because if you were truly who you were, you would know you were everything. So there would be nothing to ever be judgmental about. There would nothing to be ever comparing yourself to. There would no be compulsions. There'd be no compulsion to ever need to know something. There'd be no anxiety. There'd be no nothing. There'd be no craving. There'd be no forgetting. You would just say, of course, I am Aaron, and Aaron is Andy. And we really are the same life force. And then, of course, we'd be pretty stupid to kill each other, but, you know. But we forget that. Now, so on one level, that's who we are. That's why we call it life-centered therapy. On the other level, all of our cells are also differentiated, right? Each of them has a role to play in the body. That's why, you know, well, you know, in the beginning, they are undifferentiated. And basically, you know, if you, have, if you start off with our earliest cells, they can become pretty much anything. But over time, they become something and they become a liver cell or they become a frontal lobe cell or they become other cells, which some people have a problem naming, like uh, an anal cell, for example, right? But everybody has their role to play. And so our second, you could say, our second passion in life, to be able to be with everything, which is what passion is, right? The passion of Christ, to say I could be with everything, is to say, given that I am everything, what role am I to play if I was not living in fear? And every role is important. And I am being asked to know that I'm the everything and that to know that i have my particular role to play with all of its gifts and all of its challenges unafraid and that's why we call it life centered therapy because it really isn't about you as a person right because as soon as you identify with the noun aaron i am aaron right then what you really aren't doing is saying that who you are is an evolving energy that is unnameable and unknowable and so what we say is, why does that happen? Why do you identify with something? Whether it's I, or I am Aaron, or I am anxious, or I am, you name whatever it is, it's because there's something that couldn't be handled. If you could handle everything, right? If, you know, I don't know what your tradition is, but if you're a Christian, you'd go from being identified with Jesus, so to speak, who's right before he's crucified is screaming at his father, who is an exemplar of saying, there's something I can't handle, which is I know it's going to happen to me. And why have you forsaken me? And he's not very happy. But at the end, he knows he's not that at all. And he knows when they're crucifying him, they can't crucify him because it isn't who he is. And he says, I am a soul, and I commend my soul unto you, life, God, whatever. And there's no more anxiety. There's no more fear. So I'd say that's what we're all trying to, that's where we're all heading, is a place where we can say whatever comes to us, whatever the hand is that we're dealt, we say, that's fine. I can say yes to everything. And if you can do that, you'll never come and see me because you'll be free. And then you'll be what's called self-aware unity consciousness, which is where we're all heading, from being unity without awareness to unity with awareness. And that's why we call it, if you ask, Life-Centered Therapy. Yeah. And I have a whole story about how we got there, but I don't have to bore you with that right now because... It's a whole different
0: world. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, this is totally fascinating to me. So tell me a little bit more about how does this play a role in things like trauma and the way that we store trauma and the way that we can't um, recover from trauma, because this is a whole different approach than where we've gone on this podcast before. So I want to hear your thoughts there.
1: Sure. What is trauma? Trauma, I think, and suffering are the same thing. And I can tell you why people go to therapy. I can tell you in one sentence, there's something that couldn't be handled, taken in stride and integrated. That's why people go to therapy. And what is therapy? It's simply mastering what couldn't be taken in stride, handled and integrated. That's all therapy is. Now, it follows how you do that from what I just told you, right? If you were a fully realized being, right? Right. And I massaged you, I would not find any dense energy at all. It'd be like massaging jello. You wouldn't, because you wouldn't be identified with anything. So when you become identified with something, when is when there's something that can't be handled. And when there's something that can't be handled, something interesting happens. You go from being who you truly are, which in this dimension is called E, because who we are in this dimension is E which is the third or fourth levels of things because E is a very big number, but it's not infinite, which is the last level. But who we are in this dimension is called E. Yeah, actually E squared. That's who we are. But when there's something that can't be handled, we slow down a lot to the tune of E squared and we become one, which equals matter. So then we identify with something. And as soon as we identify with something, we lose our capacity to have any perspective at all. And I'll tell you what I mean. Well, let me tell you the next part then. So it becomes very easy to know how you handle trauma. When there is anything that can't be handled, in that moment, a sensation is born. So let's suppose you were anxious. And I said, Aaron, when you're anxious, what do you feel in the body? And you say, oh, I feel sick to my stomach. Then I would say something funny to you. I would say, Aaron, you're not anxious. Someone whose name is sick to stomach, not sick to my stomach, because you're not... Aaron to my Andy, you're just Aaron. That being's name is sick to stomach. Your name is Aaron and sick to stomach is feeling anxious. Aaron's little toe is fine. So Aaron is not anxious. Sick to stomach is anxious. Now, what are you going to do? You are going to choose to become sick to stomach because you and sick to stomach are the same energy because you're all life, right? The only difference then is now you have perspective again. Right? Because instead of unconsciously identifying with sick to stomach, you consciously identify with the one who witness to and whole sick to stomach. And then like an actress, you're going to play a role whose name is sick to stomach. You're going to become sick to stomach. And then sick to stomach is going to start sharing with you. And it's going to happen in one of three ways. Either you'll start acting sick to stomach out, at which point you'll be fairly dramatic. You'll start seeing things like seeing a movie. And you'll say, oh, I know what happened to Sick to Stomach. Or you'll start just knowing things. So it's either like you're going to be a character in a play, you're going to be watching a movie, or you're going to be reading a novel. Okay. And Sick to Stomach can be anything. We are not going to limit ourselves and say it's three-year-old Aaron. It could be Aaron in the French Revolution, whose name was Sylvia. It could be Aaron's great-great-grandfather on her mother's side, who something happened to that made him anxious, and it's not even Aaron's story at all. Or it could be Aaron as a three-year-old who was funny, whose father looked at her funny when she was really being passionate about something, and she says, whenever I get passionate, I get anxious. Now, the interesting thing then is, every symptom you have is just a clue to sick-to-stomach story every symptom. While from Aaron's point of view, there's a word for it. It's a technical word, which you can tell me if I can say in your podcast. It's a very important word, four letter word in our field called it sucks. Because that's how it feels to Aaron. Aaron will come and say, oh my God, I have chronic neck pain and no one can handle it. Or, oh my God, I get, I'm, I'm going to do my podcast and I think people are going to kill me. Or Aaron's going to say, and I would say, As soon as Aaron has any kind of anxiety comparison or anything, all of those symptoms are actually clues to the story that Aaron is stuck in, but not as Aaron. Maybe as three-year-old Aaron, maybe as a little green woman from Alpha Centauri, maybe as a Native American warrior who one day forgot his role, who the heck knows. Now, you're just going to become sick to stomach. And as soon as you become sick to stomach, whatever you experience is going to be sick to stomach story. And that's the deal. So, I mean, I give you a simple example. Suppose you're in my office and a motorcycle backfires and you suddenly are screaming on my floor and you're having a panic attack. And I say, when you're screaming on my floor, what happens to the body? He said, heart's pounding fast. I say, Aaron, even though you're screaming on my floor and I can do something about that if I had to, but it's okay because you're living out somebody else's story. And I say, you're going to become heart pounding fast, right? And you do it. You say, "Oh my God, bombs are going off all around me!" And like, I mean, and you suddenly realize you were in Afghanistan and you couldn't handle the bombs going off. So you no longer remember what happened. You've dismembered that soldier that you were seventeen years ago. And whenever the motorcycle backfires, you're just living that story. But the second you choose to become heart pounding fast. You no longer believe that that's who you are. You just say, oh, that's an experience that I've split off. I've dismembered. So when I remember it, the next time that motorcycle backfires, I'm going to say, oh, this is reminding me who is the witness, who's bearing witness what happened 17 years ago, but it isn't who I am. And that is, if you want to know the simplest way to do healing, that's it. All you have to do is find a body sensation that's associated with the thing that you have any kind of suffering about, which is trauma, which just means you couldn't handle something, choose to become it and let it share its story and ask it what it needs. And if you do that from the inside out, I guarantee you, you will have spectacular results by yourself. And it also follows that every sensation you have, so if you have a headache, you're going to say, oh, let me take a pill. I hate my headache. I would say it's not your headache, its name is headache, and it's come to share something with you. It might be sharing something physical, like you have a brain tumor, but more than likely, it's sharing something else, like you were shot in the head during the Civil War, and no wonder you have a headache. Or somebody hit you in the head, or you were were thinking so hard in school one day that it made your head spin and you felt bad about yourself. So headache, something triggers it. And suddenly you're that schoolgirl again, who's saying, I can't figure this out. And that's headache. And as soon as you find out what headache has come to share, headache just goes away.
0: Cool. I love that. That's that's a really interesting twist on not identifying or becoming our trauma, because I think so many people stay stuck. So you're suggesting that this is a way, I, I like the way you use the phrase dismembering yourself from the trauma. So as not to stay, it's not stuck as part of you, as part of your identity.
1: Well, when you remember it, it's no longer who you believe you are. and No longer will you land on my floor when the motorcycle backfires, because you'll say it's something I can bear witness to and I can hold that soldier, but it's not who I am. I have now reintegrated, I have remembered him, and he just goes back into his pure form, and suddenly, heart pounding fast, what happened to my heart pounding fast? My heart's feeling normal, and it's because it's gone back into its pure form, which is energy, and it's now a flow, and it's whole, and it's clean, it's not sucking, and for you. And when that happens, I guarantee you one of two things happens. Either your symptoms go away or your relationship to them changes to such a degree that it doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. Say, so to speak, I'm going to be crucified. It's a good day to die. I'm not anxious. I mean, I have a preference, but I'm, I'm not afraid anymore. And that's the deal. It's very simple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so good. That's, that's such a different way of looking at things, but I think that it's really helpful. And, you know, when we talk about, you mentioned um, looking at the past, do you believe, I mean, what are your thoughts on the way that we store trauma from past generations? And um, like you even said, our, our symptoms are clues to the story. And so by story, Whose story are you speaking of?
1: Well, you want to find out where it crystallized, right? You want to know where whatever it is crystallized and you want to know what the real problem is. So what I'd say is, since you're everything, if something happens to your great, great grandmother and she never resolved it and you've never resolved it, it's stored in your body because your body is actually an energetic field of everything that has ever happened, is happening, and potentially could happen. So I'm going to tell you something strange. Then, are you ready? There is no past. It's here right now. Your great great grandmother is here right now. She's sick to stomach, feeling when somebody you know dies, and she her she lost her husband and her child, had a terrible. Back. And so you have this response when someone goes away and you say, oh, God, I'm feeling like I'm going to mom and it's really her. But she's here right now. I'm not regressing Aaron. I'm saying, Aaron, find her. And all I have to do is find out where you need to go, which is here right now. But you store everything in your body. Your body is a record of everything that has ever happened, is happening now, and potentially can happen, which is a real I can't say what it is because I'd be swearing, but it's, I mean, something could crystallize in the future. It feels like a warning. It's why people can know the future or know the probability of a future because it's all happening now. So there's no regression, right? All I'm saying is, Aaron, stop identifying with sick to stomach and find sick to stomach and become, and then I use a process called kinesiology, and I'll find out where the thing crystallized. Did it crystallize in Erin's lifetime? Did it crystallize in her bloodlines? Did it crystallize in her, because soul comes through blood and it comes through energy. Did it crystallize in what one might call, what we typically call a past life, which is karmic. But if you don't believe in past lives, I'll never use the term. I'll just call it imaginal or adult play therapy or whatever. But we're looking for the most powerful, simple story that will transform something. And we're looking for the story that's underneath. I'll give you an example of what I mean quickly. I gave you the guy who has this panic attack, right? Because 17 years ago, the bomb goes off, right? Now I'll give you a different story. I find out that it has nothing to do with his lifetime and it has nothing to do with the bomb going off. The bomb going off is just a symptom of something else. And I can kind of do a diagnostic to determine what it is. And I find out that that Reaction to loud sounds, that's a symptom of betrayal because there are these universal themes, and I can find out if the thing you come in with is the problem or is a symptom that's part of a deeper problem. Well, let's say I find it's part of a deeper problem and it's betrayal, let's suppose. And when I have you focus on betrayal, you no longer focus on heart pounding fast. Suddenly you say, you know what, my throat's tightening up. And I have a terrible pain in my foot. In fact, I didn't tell you that I have chronic foot pain because like, you know, who, I'm going to a psychologist. What do you know from chronic foot pain and the fact that somebody dropped a rock on me seven years ago, but no one understands why I'm still in such pain, but I'm still limping. Okay. So I say, okay, you're going to become pain in foot and closing throat. And then you say, oh my gosh. I'm seeing this funny uniform. It's World War One, and I'm like leading a group of men and I'm walking them and I'm not paying enough attention. And suddenly they walk into an ambush and I'm trying to scream, but I can't scream. And I'm trying, and I'm watching them and bombs are going off and they're all dying. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I betrayed all of my men. And if I had paid more attention, you know, I'll never, I'll always pay attention from now on because if I don't pay attention, the sky's going to, I mean, like the sky literally is going to fall. And it's like, literally the sky you're going to say oh my god the sky is falling but that's literally the case because bombs are coming out of the sky so your language will be a clue to what's happening okay and then we find out that you watch all these men die and you don't want to be a leader anymore and but like you have to find a way out so you take your pistol and you shoot yourself in the foot so that when they come you'll look like something happened to you okay and they come and get you and you're saying to yourself I'll never be a leader again. Okay, you come in and you have this reaction to loud sounds. But when you go into betrayal, you find out that your ADHD, right, and your attention deficit disorder is really a reliving of the fact that you were distracted in 1916. And your OCD, which no one can explain to you, and they've tried doing cognitive behavioral therapy and everything else in the world, is because of course it makes sense that you have OCD because you weren't paying enough attention. And as a result, something horrific happened. Right. And you say, you know, it's really funny. I shoot myself in the foot every time I have a leadership possibility. And you literally are telling your literal story that you shoot yourself in the foot because you did shoot yourself in the foot because you didn't want to be a leader. So you screw it up every time you're going to be a leader and you have this funny limb and they all go away. I mean, the miracle ones and when that all happens and they all go away in all those symptoms just disappear in 25 minutes and never come back. Now, I want you to know that's a very unusual situation. I had a woman who came in for a blood draw and it took us over a year to get her to even be able to possibly sit down for the blood draw because there were so many stories that were all enfolded into that one symptom. Like I couldn't begin to tell you all the things that came up out of one blood draw. And there are certain things that are much harder to deal with than other things. Symptoms like chronic pain that nobody can understand is like usually very easy. But like, if you have sort of like chronic existential anxiety, because you're afraid that you're unworthy of living, that may take a little longer because it may be an existential problem and you may spend years, but you know, our exemplars take years also. So it's okay. So I never know how long anything will take. I just say you stick around long enough, something will happen.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's interesting that you mentioned chronic pain because we do have, I mean, So many people are struggling with chronic pain syndromes. And a lot of the times they, they get the explanation that, well, we don't know, we don't know how to help you. We don't know what it's caused. We don't. So that's something that, that you address in your work as well.
1: We get a lot of people with chronic pain who've had it forever. And people say, we don't understand it. It shouldn't be there. I will 99.9% be sure to guarantee you that you're stuck in a narrative you couldn't handle in the chronic pain is the best clue you're going to have. It's like, it's here trying to help you remember something. It's an invitation to remembering something. But of course you say, get it out of here when it's really like trying to tell you something and it's not going to go away until you listen to it. So you have a choice. You cannot listen to it and stay in pain, or you can say, okay, what if you come to share with me? And you'll find out that you were stabbed in the back, or you'll find out that you you were in the French Revolution and a guillotine was coming down in your head and you're violently wrenching your neck away because it's the only thing you can move and you have chronic neck pain because of whiplash, except it had nothing to do with whiplash because your whiplash was an unconscious reliving because... The, the sensation acts like a magnet and it will, you will unconsciously co-create the things that will help you remember. But of course, you won't know that. So you'll say, I had an accident of fate, but really it is a destiny. And life is trying to reveal something to you. But of course, you don't know that. You say like, why did I whiplash? And it's because 250 years ago, you were violently wrenching your neck because a guillotine's coming down in your head and your face up and they haven't covered your eyes. And you were silly enough to open your eyes and watch it coming. And there's your chronic neck pain. Yeah, Which is yeah. Actually a
0: true yeah. I you mean, no. sorry, I don't want to talk over you. There's a little delay there. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just fascinated by this because I do believe, I always believe that our bodies, when we have symptoms, it's our body trying to tell us something. And typically, traditionally, we're, we just suppress the symptom instead of leaning in and asking, yeah. oh, what is my body trying to tell me? So this takes it to a totally different level.
1: Well, you don't say ask what your body's trying to tell you. You say pain in neck what are you sharing with me? Like you're talking directly to a living being who's come and they're your best teacher. Hmm. And every, you could say every pain you have is it's like the Akashic record. Your body is the Akashic record, right? Every, I mean, it's a good sensations too. That's called things you, like remembering, but like, you know, any discomfort you have, is just a story of something that couldn't be handled, you can't handle now, which is very rare, or something that in the future, you won't be able to handle. That's what Mm -hmm. it is. So your body is a record, it's a library, but it's a library of living beings. that just happened not to be Aaron in 2022.
0: Yeah. So you have seen people heal from chronic pain issues and um, symptoms from going through this process with you.
1: Yeah, I've seen stories. That's why our agent said, you have to call this the one hour miracle, which we (laughs) had our own feelings about. But, you know, it's like we told it was we originally sold this book. Which if you have read it, if you haven't read it, it's it was going to be a very short book that was a self-help book. But then our agent said, Are you kidding? That's not the length of the book you want to write is not a book, it's a pamphlet. So you have to double it. And when we had to double it, we actually had to make it four times as long as it was because we started telling all of the different themes like betrayal or mm-hmm. neglect or being taken over by dark energies, which I don't care whether you believe in it or not. I could tell you stories about that that are just so it's like you have to open to everything. And we, we give you examples of every one of those kinds of themes. Um, and it's really stunning, but chronic, pa- chronic pain that no one can understand. And they say, we don't understand it. You shouldn't be feeling that way. Please come to us because mm. I will, be, I won't make you a guarantee, but I will virtually guarantee you that symptom has come to share something with you. And it will explain why it was chronic pain. Wow. And it yeah. will go away. I've seen it. I have seen that happen a lot. And I won't guarantee that either because some chronic pain isn't just enfolded into one story. And if you get shot in the back in this lifetime, you also, your body has a trauma and that's a different problem altogether that you have to help the body with. But if no one can explain to you why you have chronic pain and you have chronic pain, I will virtually guarantee you that you're reliving something. You're reliving an echo of something. And what you're experiencing isn't as bad as it was in the original situation.
0: So tell me, because I, I do want to talk a little bit about the book um, that you co-authored with your amazing co-author. And I want to talk a little bit, what was the reasoning? Why did you decide to put all of this in a book? And what's the reasoning behind it?
1: I truly believe we have an extraordinary way of helping people heal from trauma. And uh, it just, I've been doing this now for 30 years. And to be perfectly honest, I just feel like I want to be of service. And like, I think we have this simple way. I mean, like it's simple in that you can do it yourself. Our, our trainings for lay people who don't want to do it with other people are called guided self-healing. That's what our institute was originally called. You can guide and you are guided for yourself, small as self, and big ass self. Becoming whole, becoming who you truly are. And if all you did was find body sensations and say, What have you come to share and what you need? Just watch what happens because there's an immediacy about living something that talking about it is like, Dare I use it? It's like trickle down economics. You know, you're much better going on from the inside out and from the bottom up than from the top down because the top doesn't know. The top doesn't know anything. It only knows once you know what's true, which is your your deepest intuition. And once you know what you truly desire, then, then the top can begin to say, well, I didn't know what was true. I didn't know what I desired, but I might be able to help you get there. Right. So why did I write it? Why did we write it? Because like we, like we see things that are kind of miraculous and we see what's a miracle really it's to be freer from suffering. So you can be free to live the life that you're destined to live. And I think we have, God forbid I should say this, but it's, I mean, I think we have an unbelievably good technology and it's so good that I I tell stories because like we had a 17 year old girl who knew nothing about this stuff. And she was hooked up with a, with someone like you you know, who was a healer, was a was a mental health professional and a healer and was in her 40s. And this girl was 17. She was in high school. And on the second day of the training, I muscle test who's going to be going off with who. And it says that they were going off together. And she looks at me like, you're sending me off with her. She didn't say anything. And I said, uh-huh, because I find out, I find out from the soul of the circle, who's supposed to be with whom hour and a half later, she comes back and says, this was the deepest healing I ever had. Cause it had never occurred to her to let a body sensation share. And it had never occurred to her that she could be stuck in a story outside of her lifetime. So she said, I've got results here with this 17 year old that I'd never have gotten. And I've been in therapy with those people forever. You know, what the 17 year old said, she said, I can read a protocol. Now, I want you to know I've been doing this now for 30 years, 25 to 30 hours a week. I'm still learning stuff. And both are true. So, you know, it's like, but if you've never been at a piano, you can sit down and you can play chopsticks. The world opens to you, you know, and some people sit down in their Mozart. They're amazing in the beginning, but we can all get good enough that we can, you know, get something. And um, I'm just passionately, that's my, you know, we all have our roles to play and that's mine. So that's why I'm here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate hearing the heart behind it because I think that that is something that is so important is we need, there's so many people that are suffering and, and need tools and support. And especially right now we're living at a time where mental health is crazy on the rise. And so I, I appreciate um, all the new tools and strategies that people are using. And that's why I love talking to people like you. So tell me, I want to know a little bit more about the kinesiologies at the muscle testing that you use for this.
1: I'll tell you all about that. But what I'll say is why we call it life-centered therapy is there are hundreds and hundreds of practices out there. So I would say, why not find the best one or ones for you, as opposed to, if I know one thing, I'm going to do that, right? If I know EMDR, if you know EMDR, I'm going to do EMDR with you. If I know EFT, which is emotional freedom technique, I'll do that. If I know something called frontal occipital holding, I'll do that. Well, each of them does something slightly different. They all do great things, right? But frontal occipital, when you're traumatized, there are three kinds of splits. There's a front back split. If you have a front back split, which means your frontal lobe is disconnected from your occiput and they want you to focus on that. The very best thing you can do is energetically reconnect your frontal lobe and your occiput, Mm -hmm. because then it's like, you'll see something, but then you'll be able to say, I'm not stuck in the thing that I saw unbelievable right let's suppose you have a left right split which is really emdr is spectacular you know if there's a break between the left and the right which means you're going to the left side in this case means you're stuck in something small right in the detail of something a logical detail that makes no sense and the right side over there is the big picture that can open you to something else and they can't talk to each other so you put them together by doing emdr and you say oh my goodness i'm not stuck in that little picture anymore right Well, that little detail, because if you want the picture more, you're more than likely. Or you do emotional freedom technique. And really what the issue is, you froze like a deer in headlights. And sort of like you can understand it, but your body's frozen. So you start like, well, we're going to have to uh, unblock the flow. So I'm going to unblock the river. So the river's flowing again. And then so you say, well, which one do you need the most? Or do you need to do a spiritual practice? and You don't need any of that stuff. Now, how are we going to know that? We're going to ask your soul. And what I think if you, if those of you who don't know muscle testing or kinesiology, or it's also called ideomotive cueing in our little field, um, just as a way of accessing, I think soul. And what we do is we ask your soul, which is E, to use the body as a means of communication to share information with us that our conscious minds, which is one, which is a lot denser and a lot less powerful can't possibly know. So your conscious mind can say, oh, "Well, I know how much two plus two is, and I have a theory about why I'm this way. But if I knew why I was this way and I knew what to do about it, I would not be coming to see you." So it is limited. It has the, but the part of that is really, you know, our little spark of that universal template that is the hologram that knows everything, and it certainly knows where we're stuck. What the most important thing to work on is, and what to do if you need more than just sharing your story while you're being held and with if we're doing it live we we use your body and we say when something is true for you your body gets stronger and when something isn't true for you your body gets weaker and it's like to a big degree it's like i don't know if you have children but if you had a toddler and you're your size and a two thousand pound car rolls over that toddler and you have to pick up the car you pick up the car. If you try to do it with your willpower, you'll break your back, right? So when you're aligned with life, you get way stronger to the point that you actually can pick up a 2000 pound car enough to get your toddler out. You ask a woman your size, how they did it. They just said, I just knew I could do it. They don't say it was my willpower. I thought I could do it. They just said, I just knew it. It's just that knowing. And that knowing, right, is what we're talking about. The part of us that just knows what's true. Now we don't, Easily access that, but that's what it's there all the time. So, what we do is we say, You who just knows what's true, which is an aspect of soul, we're going to ask you to use the body. And when something is true for you, the body's going to get so strong that I could sit on your arm, just like if you're picking up the 2,000 pound car, and your arm might fatigue, but it would stay strong, right? But if something isn't true for you, you could be the biggest bodybuilder than I'd be. 90- So to speak, and I could press lightly on your arm. And if it wasn't true, you wouldn't be able to keep your arm up, no matter how hard you tried and how strong you were. If I can give you a little bit of a practical on how to do it. It does take a little practicing, I will say, okay? And then we can ask anything you want, right? And that's how I do it if you're in my office, because then you know the answers are coming through you. You can literally feel your body get stronger and weaker. And then I can ask you anything I want and things I could ask you in a language you've never heard of, or I could ask you is your biggest problem, something that happened you know, five generations ago on your mother's side, except I would ask if it was in your bloodline. And it will say, that's where it starts. And you say, I don't know what happened there. And I'll say, of course you do, because it's here right now. You just didn't know you knew. But a deep part of you knows. But then what happens if you're, where are you right now? Where are you located?
0: I'm in Texas. I'm in East Texas. Texas.
1: You're in East Texas. All right. Well, I'm in outside, just outside of Boston, Mass. So let's suppose you want to work with me. Now we have a problem because you're not going to stick your hand through the computer, right? So then I have to get to a fourth level, right? And the fourth level is the template, which means I am... And if I could focus on it's sort of like I say, focus on discomfort in stomach, right? You say, I can do that. I can bring all my attention there. Well, it's a funny notion to say that you are to life what discomfort in stomach is to you. And if I'm pretty clean, I can choose to bring my attention intentionally any place in the universe, and the answers will be there spontaneously. It's not like the answers have to travel. You could be light, light, light years away, and I can get spontaneous information. Why? Because it's all happening at the same time. So you're in Texas. I'm over here, and I just say, I'm going to focus on you to such a degree that my new name is going to be Eric. Just like I say to you, if you have sick to stomach feeling, I say... Your new name is going to be sick to stomach. You're going to become sick to stomach from the inside out to such a degree that you're so focused on it that you are sick to stomach. And I do the same thing with Aaron. Aaron is the equivalent of sick to stomach, and I'm God only knows what I am. But you know, I'm headache or something. But right in that point, theoretically, nothing is going to block me from doing it because I'm not in my own trauma structure. All my attention is on life. It's not on my stuff. And no one can do that perfectly, but I can get close enough that I can become Aaron. And then what I do is I muscle test, and I don't know if are we video here.
0: No, it's just going to be audio.
1: Audio. So um, then I just, because I like using my hands, I just ask my body to be a pendulum. And I say, my name is Aaron. And it says, yes. And I'll go forward. And I say, my name is Andy. And it'll go backwards. And then I'll say, okay, Aaron says we should work on her anxiety. Is that the most important thing to work on? And my body goes backwards. So I say, Aaron. You think the one thing you really want to work on is your anxiety, but that's not it. It's probably a symptom of something deeper. We have to find it. Or we'll say, it is anxiety. So I'll say, great, Aaron, that's the most important thing to work on. And I just my body becomes like a psycho-spiritual truth teller. And that's how muscle testing works. And then we can ask anything we want as long as it's in the service of healing and growth.
0: That's, that's such a good description and explanation. I am familiar with muscle testing. and we're talking about using supplements or different food or things like that. And so I haven't heard of until I saw your book and read your information. I haven't heard of it being used in this kind of an environment before. And it makes sense. I mean, it's the body doesn't lie, you know, so, um, or I guess you would say the soul doesn't lie.
1: Well, I would say that the body is a revelation of the soul because we've asked the body to be a means of communication for it. Just like if I say, what's your name? And you say, my name is Aaron. Well, it's not your mouth that's answering the question. Your mouth is a mouthpiece, right? It doesn't mean you could have written out the answer. but And we're going to ask the body to be a body piece, a means of communication for soul. And mm-hmm. then it becomes that, which is very nice of it. And, you know, then we can, but yes, that's how We can use it for I do it for supplement. I mean, I have people who ask me about supplements and medication. mm -hmm. We'll do that for them. But you know, I try to teach them how to do it for themselves. But they say, I don't trust. Then I have to work on the fact they don't trust themselves. But I I mean, I do that to people (laughs) all the time. You know, because everything's part of the process. I don't trust myself. Well, then someone's here who's saying I don't trust themselves. So, okay, and you're an eight-year-old girl, and like you knew what was true for you, and someone says you're crazy. Girls aren't supposed to do that. And from then on, you don't trust yourself. So we bring you back to age eight and you say, Oh, we're gonna do that one differently. This time we're gonna have that person say, Of course, sweetheart, you should go for exactly what you want. And someone mm-hmm. says, I don't trust myself. That's so interesting. I can do my own muscle testing about my supplements and I'll trust it. But yeah, I mean, you can use it as long as as long as your whole list. Right, and your growth, you can use it for anything. If you ask it to abdicate responsibility, if you say, Well, I don't really want to think about this thing, so tell me what to do, you'll get an answer which is like, Get a life because you're at the end of the day, you're responsible for life. Yeah, but that's me. You know, some people use it for everything. They say, I don't want to make that decision. Tell me if I should move to California. State, <laughs> East Texas. I'd say, Well, East Texas, how could you even think any place is better than East Texas? But what do I know? I've never been to East Texas.
0: That's true. everybody loves it here. I'm telling you, the weather isn't so great. It gets real hot in the summer, but we love it. So
1: <laughs> someday I'll have to come and visit East Texas.
0: I've never been there. Lots of trees. It's it's beautiful. Um, let me ask you one quick question. I mean, I say it's a quick question, but I love asking this. The name of the show is Sparking Wholeness. So if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be?
1: Whenever you have a discomfort in your body bring all your attention there to such a degree that it's like you're becoming it from the inside out, like you are a living being, and say, stomachache, what have you come to share? Like it's a living being and you don't have any sense. And whenever you have any kind of anxiety about something or judgmentalism or anything, you'll find a body sensation that's the exact equivalent for your anxiety. Just bring your attention there to the sensation and say, what have you come to share about my anxiety? Uh, or what have you come to share about anxiety? Cause it may not be yours, but what have you come to share about anxiety and then just get actively receptive and the will open up to you.
0: Yeah. That's great. Sparkling I think... wholeness. Yeah. You I love
1: more sparkling and you'll feel more whole yeah. <laughs> because you will be more sparkling and you will be more whole because before you are there and you'll have brought it back together. You say, Oh my gosh, I don't feel like a part of me is missing anymore. It's back. <laughs> I'm whole. great name for a show
0: (laughs) well tell me um where can people get the book and find more information about your work in life-centered therapy
1: um they can the best place to get any of those things is they can go to our website which is lifecenteredtherapy.com and they can find out all about our book and all about our practitioners and all about our work and all about our online trainings because we've been doing only Mm -hmm. online training so um they want the book you can always go to amazon and if you do go to amazon and you read the book please give us a review because i've been told that's important but if you don't want to go to amazon because you have your whatever interests around amazon <laughs> it comes from it, health communications inc is a subsidiary of simon and So you can go there and you can get the book you can get an audio book you can get a kindle you can get everything you can get them all on amazon and of course i'm selfish And from a point of view of enlightened self-interest and hoping that you will get something from it, I do hope you get the book. And if you have any questions and you want to get in touch with me, I respond to my own emails and it's a Han, like Andy Han, A-H-A-H-N at LifeCenteredTherapy.com. And if you write me, I will write you back. It may take a little while right now, but I promise (laughs) you it's a question of when, not if.
0: Well, thank you so much. This was such an interesting interview. And you you shared so many things that we've never, you know, we've talked about a lot of things on the show, but we've never talked about what we talked about today. So I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and your life's work with us on the show today.
1: Uh, thank you, because you, you're giving me an opportunity and I really appreciate it. And I want to acknowledge you because you are sparkling wholeness. It really it shows, <laughs> right? It really does. There's this Probably sparkling whole quality but i don't know you at all obviously i've known <laughs> thank you
0: thank
1: you
0: the tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze and i hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness Thanks for listening to sparking wholeness for more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, Hey, find me at sparkingholeness.com or on Instagram at sparking wholeness. Have a fabulous week.